The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast, brought to you by Yazoo, the best beer you're going to find around. I drink Hefeweizen year-round, but uh, if you are a seasonal beer drinker, now is the time. Check it out. Nashville's best. And if you're not from in town, then when you get to town or a place near Tennessee, grab a six-pack pony up, belly up to the bar and order one. Um, it's the best around. They're really good to me. I hope you'll be really good to them. Very, very pleased to be joined today by one of the key new Tennessee Titans this year, Roger Saffold. Uh, he's going to be playing next to Taylor Lewan and a guy everybody's looking to to kind of transform the offensive line. Roger, I really appreciate the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's really nice of you to take the time uh, to join me. I want to start out by talking a little bit about Inside pass rush, which seems to be a bigger deal than it's ever been in my 20-plus years of covering the league. Everybody talks about the quick game uh, and how edge guys might not have the time, even if they're rushing well, to get to the quarterback, but how an inside guy uh, can be disruptive quicker because he's closer. Uh, do you think those inside guys uh, are more valuable maybe? It, as pass rushers than, than they were maybe even at the beginning of your career, which makes interior pass blockers like yourself more important? I would think so. I mean, the game has definitely changed over the last 20 years. Uh, you know, you're seeing the typical defensive lineman getting a little smaller, getting a little bit more agile, uh, doing more than just, you know, the simple bull rush that we used to see in the past. Um you see hybrids like uh, like Aaron Donalds, uh, you know, the Gerald McCoys, uh, you know, the guys that just have that sort of quickness that can get past you um, in the blink of an eye, and they have the shortest path to the quarterback. So, yes, it is very important uh, for interior linemen these days. You um, obviously uh, – people sometimes make the mistake of thinking that, that as a Ram you would have been practicing against Aaron Donald – every day you know that's not the case during the season when you're running against a scout team in practice for the most part but during training camp you certainly had uh regular doses uh of aaron donald and last year of indomitian sue um how helpful to you to go against premier guys like that to get ready for the season i imagine you don't see many guys uh in in a game as good as Aaron Donald, uh, how much did you refine your skills um, in in the month that you see a regular dose of Aaron Donald? Uh, well, you know, when you go against Aaron Donald, you know, you see a lot of speed, um, and he has great leverage and, and, and good power. So, you know, really what it does is kind of slow the game down for you when you get to the real thing. Um, you know, getting – like you said, a steady dose of that, you know, you can almost speed up the game. And then when it's time to go against the scout team, you kind of got to slow down. You got to tempo it down a little bit. So, you know, for me, once we got to game time, you know, it was just, all right, it's a, it's a little bit easier to read. It's a little bit easier to, uh, you know, attack a guy on the line um, that doesn't have the same quickness. So, uh, of course, it just makes the game easier. And, you know, it's just like, you know, like they say, you know, iron sharpens iron. He seems like a really good guy, Aaron Donald, and Sue seems like a uh, a mean guy, at least in his playing disposition. 
um, set us all straight on what they what those guys are really like. Um, off the field, the Dominican Sue is just is is a great you know he's a great teammate. He's a good guy. Um, he's extremely smart um, as far as you know just his knowledge of you know business and all of his off field endeavors. Uh, on the field, you know, it just a flip switches for him. You know, he's he's the type of he's the type of guy that wants to go out there, he wants to beat you, he wants to hurt you, and uh, you know, being on his team, you want that. <laughs> of course, you don't want it when you're not on his team. Um, but but that's just something different about Sue that people really don't know about. You know, he does a lot of lot of different things. You know, to, to as far as charity, as far as you know, just almost being kind of international. He takes a ton of different trips and, you know, you'll see a smile on his face more times than not. So it's, it's different. But, um, with Aaron, Aaron is, has always been, you know, just, you know, a fun, a fun guy to be around, you know, um, on the field, you know, he's, he's really true. He, his work ethic is what's going to make him successful. So he's constantly working at his craft. So that's that's something that is nice to allude to uh, when you see some of these younger defensive linemen, you know, watching these two guys, just the way that they work, you know, uh, how successful they've been and how they were able to complement each other on the field. You played for a while next to a high draft pick who didn't really take off uh, with the Rams. And then you played next to a guy who came over from from the Bengals and Andrew Whitworth, who really knew his stuff and was a was an All Pro, Pro Bowl level player. And you seemed to really right. take off. You, you, your career really seemed to take off when you were next to Whitworth. Um, I, I'm, I'm not saying he helped your game. I, I'm suggesting well, that maybe you just having to worry about yourself and not maybe helping somebody else out allowed your focus to be different. How, how accurate might that be? What, what was the change there for you? Uh, well, you know, it's, there was more, um, how can I say this? Uh, there were, there were more, you know, there was a little bit more troubles than, you know, just playing to the guy that you were next to and, you know, playing next to uh, big wit, uh, along with, you know, the coaching that I was getting from Aaron Cromer and uh, the plays that, you know, Sean McVay was designing, you know, it was kind of like the perfect, the perfect storm. Um, when I was playing next to playing next to Greg Robinson, you know, of course, you know, I would try to help him out. And of course it didn't pan out, but uh, you know, nothing was really panning out for our team at that moment, which is why we had, you know, some, some really frustrating seasons, you know, it's, we couldn't seem to get to, to 500. And then we had the four and 12 season as soon as we moved to LA. So it was just really just a cluster of problems. Uh, you bring in, you know, coach McVay, um, you know, people are really hopeful. Uh, he has a good, you know, crew behind him, good crew of coaches behind him. And then you start seeing us getting success. Uh, you know, the rest of the guys start picking up some confidence. We got good leaders in the room. Uh, there's accountability on the team. And then we start to see each other take off. You know, uh, the thing that was great about Big Wit was that Big Wit was always a guy that would tell you what he's been through and what he thinks, not try to convert you, but just tell you kind of like what he thinks and like what he's been through and let you make your own decisions. And I think that we complimented each other really well. You know, for a 37-year-old man, he's still extremely athletic. And that match with his size, 
and matched with my, you know, just kind of tenacity in, inside was helping us, you know, get some real big holes uh, for Todd Gurley. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, now that I'm playing next to Taylor Lewan, you know, I don't look at the similarities. I look more just like who Taylor is as a person. And now that I've, you know, kind of been around him and I see, you know, how hard this guy works and how, you know, how he yearns for that success for his entire team, uh, it gets me excited about the upcoming season. So many teams sell that it's got to be a gradual transition and, hey, be patient with us coming from a four-win season. You know, it's going to be a gradual process. And the Rams were one of those teams that made the big jump. <clears throat> and you saw huge transformations for guys like Jared Goff. W was there one moment in that transformation that you knew, hey, we're, we're going from bad to very good right right now it's it's not going to take us very long was there a light bulb moment for you where you saw <clears throat> excuse me with McVeigh that that things were going to go fast um you know really i think it came from practice you know we started having practices where we would have an entire practice without making any mistakes and you know for me i was just like wow okay we we're really on our stuff like we really know what we got going um, then you see them pick up a free agent and, and Sammy Watkins, and so you're like, okay, now we have somebody that can blow the top off the roof. Okay, we can really hit the ground running with this team. Once we were, you know, I would say 5-0, and that's when I was like, okay, this team is serious. Because, you know, when we went 4-12, and we were we were 3-0 and to start the season, and then we were 1-11 and to end it, or 1-12 and to end it. So, I mean, for us, for us we didn't want to buy into that curse <laughs> so we literally were like okay let's give this a couple more games before we start saying all right we're going um you know so i mean it was it was an exciting time it was an exciting time but yeah i think that when we were five and oh and we had so much moment so much momentum i'm sorry three and two and we had all this momentum we we're just like all right this is this is going to be a team that's going to be you know, a high-caliber offense, a really good defense, really good on special teams. We, we just kind of knew, like, hey, we're going to hit the ground and we're going to hit that, the ground running. Still a lot of people in Nashville waiting for the full buy-in. But, <clears throat> you know, it's a football area down here. Everybody's interested in the Titans to some degree and paying attention right. to what, what goes on. Certainly didn't seem like that was the case with the Rams, even even when you guys went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, a different different kind of place, bigger place, way more people to to choose from, uh, way more going on, I guess. But it, do you feel a difference al already uh, in, in the way people uh, approach you or, or with the people that you encounter? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have it's, it's the Titans and the Predators. You know, I mean, that's that's the that's the two professional teams you have with this city. People care about their sports here. You can already tell the excitement is crazy. I mean, you see you see the draft and how many people are coming just excited about football, both near and far. So, uh, you know, that gets me excited about the season. And of course, in LA, you know, you had the Clippers, the Lakers, you had a million different teams, and. You know, some people are coming from different places. You know, there was 
people that were all the way from Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and, and Green Bay. So, you know, sometimes we'd have those away games, and it and it would feel like an away game at home. So, uh, you know, being out here in Nashville, you, know, you could definitely feel the love and you could feel the energy around this city for their team. And, uh, you know, as long as we can bring some success to this organization, I don't see that, you know, decreasing at all. How much do you think about that Super Bowl still, or are you a guy that's kind of good at, at, you know, getting over it or washing it from your mind? Uh, I'm definitely good at washing it from my mind. The only problem is, is when you see it on a commercial and you, you see uh, confetti coming down on Brady, something like that, you know, you always think can't about avoid it. it. You always think about it. Yeah, you can't avoid it at that point, but... Uh, the good thing about being in here another year is that you always have another opportunity. So uh, my biggest thing is to try to help myself and my teammates uh, take advantage of that. And I think that we're on the right track. You seem like a level-headed guy. I wonder, uh, we, we were talking earlier about the interior uh, being maybe more important than it, it ever has been before. There still is... A, it seems to me a certain prestige that comes with being a tackle. There certainly is, and you've done great financially, no doubt, but uh, money that comes with being a tackle, generally speaking. Um, right. But, but you've made it uh, much better as a guard, and we talked about you know you, you, you're shifting based on the personnel the Rams had and everything, so maybe you would have been a great tackle based on if they had brought in a great guard instead of bringing in a great tackle in Whitworth. But was there any personal struggle for you in, in accepting the move to guard? Was there any thinking in your head that that was any kind of come down um, or, or did you embrace it? Cause obviously uh, it worked out great, but was there a little bit in I your mean, head am, that it was a, it was a downward shift? Um, I played left tackle my entire life. And then, you know, I played left tackle for three years, three years with uh, with the Rams, and then uh, moved to right tackle, uh, and I was playing right tackle. And then if he ever had a, an injury or something like that, I had to go right back to left. And we were in a real bad way uh, one one year where – we also lost our guard. We lost our starting guard, too. So uh, Coach Boudreaux at the time and Coach Fisher were wondering, they're like, hey, man, uh, we need some help. And, like, we know that you're that you're versatile. So, like, what would you think about playing guard? And I was just like, um, you know, I don't I don't really know, but, you know, I'll do it for the team. Like, if that's what the team needs, then, then let's get it done. So the next day, you know, going out on my own, just practicing on it, and uh, you know, started to started to play the position. You know, they were working with me, and then uh, when I finally saw that I could like really just hit people in the run game, I started falling in love with the position. Now, I probably flipped and moved <laughs> maybe <laughs> three or four different positions just based on injury throughout my entire career. But when I got locked in at left guard for the entire season that's when I really started seeing the success come. And, you know, with this team, them leaving me where I am, um, I know that it's going to, it's going to help me a lot. I mean, you can really fine tune your craft instead of trying to change, 
you know, the way that you're setting or go inside and then back outside. So a lot of those problems that I had with the Rams before were just all gone. You see me play two years at one position, and then I get some success. I'm just trying to continue that with this team as well. But, you know, of course, if they ever said, hey, we're in a bind, we need you to go back to playing tackle, it's like riding a bike. So I could do that as well. What position did your father play at Iowa? And did, and did he have uh, any kind of chance to continue playing after that, or was college his uh, He match? got injured. He got injured. Yeah, he, got, he, was, he was injured. Um, so he couldn't, he couldn't play anymore after that injury. But uh, he was also a left tackle. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, I was just like, I was looking at old newspaper clippings and all that stuff. I was just like, hey, I want to play on the offensive line too. But I'm going to take it a step further, and I want to play in the pros. So I was, I was literally, you know, nine years old, running around the block doing push-ups and sit-ups, trying to get ready for my career to start as a football player. You grew up in Ohio. Uh, you went to Illinois. From what I've read, Kansas and Ohio were your other big uh, pursuers. Did Iowa – inquire were you interested in iowa because of your dad's connection there i always wonder about stuff like that. yeah 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 I, I i definitely inquired about it but um you know i kind of i wanted to start right away and i knew that if i was going to be able to do that i had to go to um i actually went to indiana so i had to i went to indiana i knew i would have a chance and then sorry did uh, i just say I illinois that was dumb yes yeah, yeah. So, but that's that's all right because I literally I literally had Illinois as well, and Northwestern and all the pretty much all these Big Ten teams. Um, so yeah, I ended up picking I ended up picking Indiana, and uh, we're on our fourth game. Um, I played in my first game, and then started all the rest of them after that. So, so the key for you was early opportunity. Yes, yes. I wanted to be able to play. Um, you know. I couldn't sit on the sideline and watch us lose a game and know that I haven't made any contribution. So you are 6'5", 323 pounds. Uh, that's what they have you listed at. Correct me if you're, you're right. bigger. What, what's, where is it being that big the most uncomfortable? I'm wondering about plane seats. I'm wondering about movie theater seats. <laughs> where where uh, is it least favorable to be 6'5", 323? Oh, it's on a plane, no doubt about it. It's the most uncomfortable feeling. Uh, you can't get comfortable at all. Um, you know, uh, people bump you every time they walk down the aisle. And then, you know, anybody who sits in the middle seat is just, you know, praying that their middle seat isn't next to me. So, <laughs> you know, they're kind of bumping around. Um yeah, it's pretty uncomfortable, you know. And now, you know, I can get first class, which is which is helpful. But even sitting in that like very first row and you can't stretch your legs out is a problem as well. Do you say something to the person next to you, or you just kind of let it be? I just, I, I just let it be. I kind of just like you know, like hey, you know, if I bump you, I'm sorry, but you know, kind of try. I try to, I try to sit in a way that won't be bothersome to them, but. I know that it's in their mind, like his shoulder is just going to give me a concussion here if he ever decides <laughs> to shimmy or anything. 
You ever get stuck in a, in a, in a window or, God forbid, uh, in, in coach in the middle? Oh, I did one time. I thought I bought a seat, and I didn't click the last confirm. Oh. And I had to hurry up and get a, get a flight to meet up with uh, some friends of mine. He was, he was getting married, so we were going to uh, Tampa. Oh my goodness! I had to fly from all where? the way from Tampa, California, from LA, oh. from LA, and <laughs> in a middle seat. <laughs> it was it was awful. It was it was so terrible. You know, I'm sure they could hear the bones cracking as I got up out of that seat to leave. That sounds brutal. <laughs> what? Um, all right, so this I know you. Uh, I've been told by several people you'd love to talk about this, and I, I am fascinated by. It. I've got a nine-year-old. He's not a Call of Duty guy. He's a Fortnite guy. But you own. Oh, I got a Fortnite team too. Oh, okay. Well, tell me what you, you're, you're known for owning a Call of Duty team called Rise Nation. What's your Fortnite team called? Uh, everything is under the umbrella. So now okay. Rise Nation went from just, you know, owning a team to becoming an organization. And I've had, I've got players from all over. I've had players from uh, Brazil, Vietnam. It's, it's, it's crazy. But uh, eSports is amazing. Um, it's probably the fastest growing industry right now. And I got into it before it blew up. So I've been holding on to it for about six years. So how does it work? Uh, how do you, how is it profitable to you? And uh, and what are these? And how cool is it? I mean, that these guys must love the fact that you are invested in them. Oh yeah, they uh, they love it. I've had some guys come to a bunch of different games um, just to hang out and uh, to watch me go to work for once. Um, yeah, it all it all comes from these kids. They play in these different tournaments. Tournaments can be anywhere between two hundred and fifty thousand and to two million dollars in the Call of Duty scene, anyway. Um, to two million dollars, so you make profit off of that. Um, you know, you you hold on to all the marketing, so you make money selling Rise Nation T-shirts, hats, all that stuff. Um, sponsorships from a plethora of different sponsors, everything from headphones to, to like I said, clothes, energy drinks. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And now it's grown to the point where now you can make money through franchising and franchising is like basically like almost owning the marketing rights to a city and these guys go out and they play on TV and the kids watch it. It's It's been blowing up like crazy. And Fortnite has become extremely profitable. My kid, uh, he actually watches videos probably of uh, sometimes of, of Rise Nation guys more than he plays Fortnite, which I I, I, I just don't <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. And I don't mind him watching it. It, it. it seems like fun stuff and everything, but he watches too much. He turns into a different kid, and I don't like him as much, the kid he turns into. Uh, it's a heck of a business. Let's pause here it's for like, one second. Like it's like watching film. That's basically yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope you you don't turn into a, a brat after you watch film the way my God does. No, <laughs> no, I don't. Let's pause for a second to remind everybody to listen to the Paul Kuhersky podcast. It's brought to you by Yazoo Brew, uh, Nashville's finest, which you can get in some surrounding states as well. It's what you should be drinking this summer and every season. Uh, they're a great sponsor of mine, and I hope you'll show some loyalty to them as they show to me delicious stuff. I'm partial to the Hefeweizen. You grew up on the same street as your wife, Asia, but it wasn't the, a romance that you guys carried. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's not like you got together as eight-year-olds and carried it all the way through. You lost touch and reconnected uh, and, and then uh, rekindled a romance or started a romance. Uh, uh, this story sounds very interesting to me. How'd that yeah, work? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, um, you know, me and my sister – uh, we were looking for, you know, new kids to hang out with. Uh, we noticed some kids playing down the street and we went over there to talk to them. Um, and we rode up on our bikes and we met all these kids. In fact, it's so funny cause our grandmother has it on like video of like our first encounter. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, all this emotion. But, uh, yeah, man, we met and we were friends like, you know, kind of like, you know, just every summer, we're always hanging out uh, in the same neighborhood and those types of things. You know, we got older. You get to you get to high school, and then I was in college coming back home, and everybody was just like, hey, hey, what's up? And then out of nowhere, I think it was my second year in uh, with the Rams, uh, we, just, we just started, you know, kind of talking more and more, and then eventually it just turned into something. How did uh, how did you reconnect? Uh, basically through Facebook. That was the only social media at the time <laughs> before Instagram and all that stuff. So you thought of her and and looked for her, like a lot of people do with uh, somebody they once maybe had a crush on, right? <laughs> uh, you know, the, actually, she was looking for me. Uh, she all right, she even was, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was looking for me, and we were kind of just reminiscing about the about the good old days and then uh basically i asked her out and that was that was history from there let's go a little bit of a lightning round on just some some random stuff and see if i i strike up on anything here where where else did you consider going in free agency do you have serious conversations with anybody besides the titans or or did they come in hard right from the beginning and you knew um there there were a few there were a few different teams i know that houston was involved i know that Buffalo was involved. Uh, uh, I know that Green Bay and Minnesota were thinking about it. Uh, Atlanta was in it, but I think that when they figured out kind of like what the number that we were starting at, they were kind of just like, uh, you know, maybe not that number. But, uh, yeah, there was a good – there was definitely a good amount of teams, man. But, um, you know, I, I you could tell that Tennessee had the biggest interest for sure. Do you cook? Yeah, I cook. What's uh if I if you're trying to impress somebody with uh with dinner, what's your go-to meal? Well, I don't know if I'm impressing with dinner, but if I'm grilling, I'm putting, I'm bringing some, uh, I'm bringing my my beer brats are top notch, man, top notch. How I'm many? Of- about little little girls, like 105 pounds, eat like three or four of them. 
That was ridiculous. Just gonna, I was just going to say how many, three or four. And what's what's the key side yeah. dish? That, what's the key side dish there? Uh, the side dish, basically just just barbecue food, beans, baked beans, and you know, saying I'll, I'll uh, hook some fries up. I hook a, a ton of different sides, man. And then you know, my wife would make some like potato salad and all types of stuff. It's it's pretty good, man. What's the best movie you've seen? What's the best movie you've seen recently or, or a TV show you're hooked on? Uh, Avengers Endgame. Did you that was like, probably the best I've seen so far. Did you like it? You happy with it? Oh, I loved it. I was I was happy with it. Do you I was um, happy with it for sure. What's your uh what's your unknown hidden talent? <laughs> uh I thought it was the video game. No, uh, it's it's I I can dance. I dance a lot. Like my friends talk, call me the dancing bear. It's hilarious. What's uh, what kind of music is ideally playing for you to uh, to show off the dancing bear? It does not matter. It does not matter. I'll go to I'll go to Broadway and go uh, listen to country, and I'll tear it up. We get to see some of this during uh, during warm-ups at, at Nissan Stadium? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see as long as the music hits me. Sounds good. I, I look forward to watching. I'm going to have to keep a closer eye on you when the music's playing uh, <laughs> uh, over at the practice field now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, all the, if, if the team starts getting excited and the atmosphere is right, and I know the coaches won't crucify me if I'm out here dancing, it'll be good. You should use that on a plane when you're when you're jamming somebody into their seat. You should say, "If I was in wide open spaces and there was music playing, you should see me dancing." You'd think entirely differently of me than you do right now on this on this yeah. LA to Tampa flight. That's right. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate the time. It's uh, it's fun for me to get to know you, and I'm sure people listening to this have enjoyed it as well. It's kind of you, and. Uh, I think uh, you're going to go a long way towards transforming a, an area that this team really needs uh, some change in. So we hope you st you stay healthy. We get to see you in top form, and uh, it's going to be an interesting storyline for everybody to follow. Roger Saffold, Titans left guard, should be uh, something to behold next to Taylor Lewan. Uh, appreciate you joining us, Roger. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you as well. Thank you. It was a great show. Take care. You've been listening to the Paul Kuharski podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for more. This one you might notice was a freebie for everybody. Oftentimes you're only going to hear the first 10 minutes or so of that. And then the rest of it's going to be behind the curtain. So you better get a membership and line yourself up for next time. Uh, stay tuned. PaulKuharski.com. All kinds of good content coming your way. The Paul Kuharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>